This morning we close our sermon series, Living in Weakness. But before we begin, I want to recall for us the goal that was mentioned in last week's sermon for the purpose in the series, which was, I hope that we leave here today understanding and experiencing that no matter how much weakness that we face or how many trials and suffering we go through, that we understand that God has a purpose for it. He is not limited by it and he sustains us through it. And I think that in this morning's passage, we see all three of those come into play. And so we'll begin, and I would ask that you please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord Lord three times that that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow. Father, as Pastor John has mentioned, um, there are many who are not here. Some of them are on vacation, but others aren't here because they can't make it. due to what they're facing right now in their life. And Father, uh, regardless of where we are for those who are here, for those who can't make it, um, God, I don't know how your spirit will move this morning, but I do ask that you nourish and strengthen our souls by your word. I pray that you remove distractions from our hearts and from our minds and that you instruct us and comfort us with what your word has to say. In your name we pray, amen. Experiencing weakness can take control, it can take its toll on our lives. It can cause our hearts to become burdened and heavy. We may even cry out to God to change our circumstances, yet sometimes the change that we pray for doesn't happen the way that we want. I've known a man my whole life who for 33 33 years ago fell off a ladder and crushed his ankle. And during his first night in the hospital, doctors didn't know how much morphine to give to him due to the swelling. And he once told me that the first night in in the hospital, the pain was so excruciating that in that moment he prayed to die. And mind you, this is from a man I've seen cry maybe six times my whole life. He proceeded to have four surgeries. He had screws and pins holding his ankle intact and was forced to use crutches for the next two years. He wasn't even able to carry his firstborn daughter around with him for the first six months of her life. Though today he walks unaided, God has never healed him. Every minute of every day he feels the pain that happened to him 33 years ago. Now God still has the the power to heal, and he can change our circumstances if he wanted to, but what if he doesn't? How do we interpret that? Where do our minds go? 
When we experience weakness, sometimes we feel abandoned, perhaps even deserted by God. Perhaps we begin to think that our weakness indicates that God is angry with us. Sometimes we think, forget it, God. I'll fix this myself. We try and expedite a resolve that's beyond our control. Others of us feel defeated. We become overwhelmed with a sense of hopelessness regarding our circumstances. You've had a sickness for years. Perhaps you had a sickness and now it's back. What do you think? God, again? This time it's worse? You begin wondering how much longer, how much more pain must I endure? God, I didn't choose cancer. God, I didn't choose kidney failure. I didn't choose divorce. I didn't choose to get laid off. I didn't choose this life-changing injury. God, I'm weary, why me? All of us have, in some degree or another, pleaded with God to change our situation or to relieve us in times when we are weak. And this is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need to remember that God may be working another way. What if he's working through our weakness to draw us closer to him? And our passage this morning reminds us that though we aren't promised a life of ease, God graciously provides everything that we need. Though we aren't promised a life of ease, God graciously provides everything that we need. And Paul was no exception to this reality. And though God didn't heal Paul of his infirmity, the lessons that he learned through his pain still applies to you and I today. One lesson that he learned is that God supplies power for the weak. God supplies power for the weak. Let's go to the text. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness." Now, at this point in Paul's life, not only had he been beaten with rods, shipwrecked, stoned, imprisoned, and many other things mentioned in chapter 11, but on top of that, he now gets this physical ailment that will not go away. He was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what this thorn in the flesh represents, whether it was epilepsy or malaria, or it was talking about the persecutions that he faced, but what we do know is that it wasn't pleasant. To put it in perspective, the thorn in the flesh used here gives us the idea that it was a wooden stake being driven or impaling the flesh. It was agonizing. And it wasn't a consequence of sin either. As a matter of fact, he even says twice that it was preventative. It kept him from falling into sin. But in addition to that, the thorn served another purpose. It kept Paul relying on God's power. And this pain was greater than the man Paul himself could endure. And so this thorn in the flesh drove him to seek the Lord's help through prayer. 
He earnestly asked God to take this excruciating pain away from him, not once, not even twice, but three times. And just as a reminder, it's not wrong to ask God to take our pain away. If you recall in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus himself, knowing what he was going to face, asked his father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But there's another part. Yet not as I will, but as you will. God heard Paul's prayer and he knew what he was going through. And though God didn't remove the pain from Paul, he didn't allow Paul to bear it alone. Though God didn't remove the pain from Paul, he didn't allow Paul to bear it alone. He supplied Paul with exactly what he needed. Verse 9, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And this has been a difficult truth for me to wrestle with, knowing what some of you guys have and are currently experiencing. I can easily believe this in times when my truck breaks down or when I get the flu, but what about the times when our weakness drives us to utter exhaustion, when we're emotionally spent, when we have nothing left to give, when we are powerless? But what if that's the point? What if it's in the times that we are powerless that we get to experience the power of God's grace when he accomplishes what we can't? Commentator Scott J. Haithman puts it this way, one of God's gifts to us in suffering is that we are guaranteed to see and experience depths of his power that a life of ease would never yield. That we are guaranteed to see and experience depths of his power that a life of ease would never yield. When we are at our weakest, we are less prone to fight God's plan and purpose for our lives. God allows us to experience weakness to bring us to the point of surrendering total control to him. As one man puts it, our strength is God's rival, but our weakness his servant. God's way is not to take his children out of trial, but to give them strength to bear up against it. And it's during these trials, brothers and sisters, that we get to experience the unknown depths of God's power, of his grace. God supplies power for the weak through the outworkings of his grace. The word power used in verse 9 is dunamis. It means possession of controlling influence. Get this, often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. In layman's terms, that means it's a power that we can't even begin to fathom. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. In 2 Corinthians 13.4, we see that for indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the dunamis, the power of God. And this same power gives us strength each and every day to face any trial, any weakness, and any amount of suffering that may come in our lives. It's a powerful grace that will blow your mind, and it's yours and mine through our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. The 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon describes God's powerful grace this way. It's easy to believe in grace for the past and for the future, 
but to rest in it for the immediate necessity is true faith. At this moment and in all moments, which shall ever occur between now and glory, the grace of God will be sufficient for you. This sufficiency is declared without limiting words in 12.9, and therefore I understand the passage to mean that the grace of our Lord Jesus is sufficient to uphold thee, sufficient to strengthen thee, sufficient to comfort thee, sufficient to make thy trouble useful to thee, sufficient to enable thee to triumph over it, sufficient to bring you out of it, sufficient to bring thee out of 10,000 like it, sufficient to bring thee home to heaven. Whatever would be good for thee, Christ's grace is sufficient to bestow. Whatever would harm thee, his grace is sufficient to avert. Whatever thou desirest, his grace is sufficient to give it to thee, if it be good for thee. Whatever thou would avoid, his grace can shield thee from it, so his wisdom should dictate. Here, let me press upon you the pleasing duty of taking home the promise eternally at this moment. For no believer here need be under any fear, since for him also, at this very instant, the grace of our Lord Jesus is sufficient. Is sufficient. Though we aren't promised a life of ease, brothers and sisters, God graciously provides everything that we need. Family, though we aren't promised an escape from experiencing trials and pain in this life, God gives us his power to endure them. I can't explain why it has to be this way or that way with some of the things that you guys are going through. It's beyond me. But I can explain, or I can say, that God is working through our trials and suffering to give you and I a taste of his powerful grace. This may come through a friend lending a hand at the right time or speaking a word of truth at the opportune moment. This may come through the wisdom given to doctors about an illness. Your burns might be lightened through the worship times at, at church. You may learn a truth in scripture that completely changes your perspective on the situation and circumstances that you're facing. Your heart may be strengthened through prayer. Some of you have told me by sharing your story that food and means of finances were provided at the time when you needed it the most. And I can't explain how that happens other than to say it comes from God's powerful grace. Because God uses our weakness as a channel to experience his power, God's power changes our perspective on weakness. God's power changes our perspective on weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses and with insults and with distresses and persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our perspective on weakness changes when we understand the good that comes from it, how God uses it. One way our weakness keeps us relying on God And another is that God shapes us through our weakness to become more like Christ. And we see the good that comes from the weakness in Paul's life. Christ's power dwells in Paul when he is weak. And your translation may use the words rests upon. 
I like the NLT's translation, which reads, so now, and so now I am able, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And I think it's important to give us some background on why Paul is boasting about weakness in verse 9. See, in both chapters 11 and 12, Paul is giving a defense to some, the, to some people who were questioning his apostleship under Christ. And many scholars agree that out of all the defenses he gives, by far, his experiences of pain and suffering hold the most weight. Why is that? His weakness proved that the power of Christ did, in fact, dwell in him. You see, there were men coming, from church, coming into the church in Corinth professing to be apostles of Christ, and some of the members, in turn, became infatuated by their charisma and their credentials and their talents. And they, in turn, began to ask Paul about his credentials. Paul, what makes you an apostle of Christ like these guys? And Paul responds by saying, I'm going to paraphrase, just because those guys claim to have good pedigrees and they're drawing your attention to what they claim to be doing for Christ doesn't mean squat. Doesn't mean squat. I can say the same thing. I came from the same heritage they did. And the things that they do, I can do on my own strength. There's nothing supernatural about it. So in turn, Paul goes to his weaknesses, his experiences of trials and pain. It's as if he's responding to his questions this way. If you want to know whether the power of Christ truly abides in me, look at what I've been through. I've been shipwrecked, been given 39 lashes five times, beaten with rods three times, been in prison with countless beatings, often near death, stoned once in danger from robbers, rivers, and my own people, and on and on and on. Certainly no man could endure what I've been through on their own strength. Paul boasts in his weakness because it displays that he didn't endure the trials on his own. But in fact, it shows that it was a result of the dunamis of Christ in him, the power of God. Because he experienced the great power of God through trials, he learns to take great delight in his weaknesses. He learns that his fleshly, earthly side is brought to its weakest point through the pain and through the suffering. And when that happens, it's good because the power of God in him is met with the least amount of resistance from him. The power of God in him is met with the least amount of resistance from him. Both James 4 and 1 Peter 5 tell us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God used Paul's weakness to strip him of the pride so that he decreased and Christ in him increased. For when I am weak, I am strong. For that to happen, Paul had to rely on God's power, not his own. And from the joy that Paul experienced through the power of Christ working in him amidst the trials, God changed his perspective on weakness. Ellen Steiner Rice was born in 1900, and she was certainly no stranger to experiencing trials. At the age of 18, her father fell victim to influenza and died as a result. And then at the age of 32, after the stock market crashed, her husband 
who was a bank vice president, committed suicide. She wrote this poem titled God's no- God Knows Best, and I think it beautifully demonstrates the goodness that comes through our weakness. Our Father knows what's best for us, so why should we complain? We always want the sunshine, but he knows there must be rain. We love the sound of laughter and the merriment of cheer, but our hearts would lose their tenderness if we should never shed a tear. Our Father tests us often with suffering and with sorrow. He tests us not to punish us, but to help us meet tomorrow. For growing trees are strengthened when they withstand the, the storm, and, sharp, and the sharp cut of a chisel gives the marble grace and form. God never hurts us needlessly, and he never wastes our pain. So he never sends us pleasure when the soul's deep need is pain. So whenever we are troubled, whenever, when everything goes wrong, it is just God working in us to make our spirit strong. It is just God working in us to make our spirit strong. I am well content with weakness, for when I am weak, I am strong. God has a plan to change us, to become more like Christ, and it's not always accomplished in the way that we pray for. But he allows us to endure the trials and the weaknesses the difficult jobs, the physical ailments, and the financial strains. Maybe someday we'll even experience persecution for our faith. But he does not allow us to endure it alone. He gives us his power. And as a result, we are drawn closer to God when we experience his grace in ways that we could never even imagine. We are are promised sufficient and powerful grace. And I want to say, in learning what some of you have and are currently facing, though I don't know the full extent, I am blown away by the steadfastness that you have in light of your circumstances. I thank you for being faithful in the times of pain because you guys are testimonies to the power that we talked about this morning. It blows my mind. For all of us, my prayer has been and will continue to be that when we do face trials, we don't fall into despair, but that we find rest in God's powerful grace. Though we aren't promised a life of ease, God graciously provides everything that we need. His grace is sufficient. Praise God. Lord, I ask that the power that we have learned about this morning does not remain as a thought from a sermon, but that you, through your Spirit's power, cause us to experience it in our lives, and that we learn each and every day to trust in you. And then we go to you for our strength. Father, we know from your word that you promised to give it and that it is sufficient. God, we thank you. And I want to lift those up who are going through pain. 
trials that I can't even begin to imagine. And I want to lift them up to you, Father. It's one thing for me, who has not gone through such things, to say this, to preach this, but Father, this is your word, not mine. I ask that you give us the faith to believe it, and I pray again that you cause us to experience it, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Christ, because it's through him and it's through the spirit that you put in us that we have hope, and that we will be able to endure and bear up against the trials. Praise you, and we love you. Amen.